Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining the Mito Action Podcast. I'm excited to introduce Jordan and his mom to you today. Jordan has a great story of how he has really excelled and learned to work with his uh, mitochondrial dysfunction instead of against it. And he has some great advice about moving forward. And his mom, as well, has some uh, good points for those of us in the trenches. Uh, thanks for joining, and here is Jordan and his mom. Stacey, maybe you could start with how how did the, the diagnosis come to be for Jordan, and what type of mitochondrial disease does he have? So Jordan has um, um, oxidative phosphorization disorder, complex one, they believe, and um, a fatty acid oxidation disorder that they would think is secondary, is what we have wow. been told. Um, Way to go, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, let's see, trying to think back. (laughs) Sorry, this takes me a little off guard a little bit too. So um, we found out um, at about three weeks old that Jordan was having some issues. Um, He just didn't eat correctly. You know, he was my second child. He um, wasn't feeding the way, you know, my daughter had. And she was premature, so I expected he was born exactly on his due date, that he was going to go according to the way things should be. Um, and we had a fabulous pediatrician who actually, um, because it was around the holidays, the Christmas holidays, um, was concerned about Jordan getting checked out. So he um, had us checked into the hospital so Jordan could have a bunch of tests done. And everything was coming back perfect except his labs. And um, his labs um, started coming back a little wonky. And um, so we started following up with a geneticist um, who then said, the only thing it looks like it could be is mitochondrial disease. And I think you need to see a specialist in Atlanta and uh, went off. So it was actually, I feel sort of blessed. I find we had a pretty direct route compared to a lot of people. Um, yeah. And we had a muscle biopsy and spinal tap and all of that by six months old and had the results before he was a year old. So, wow. Um, and who did your muscle biopsy? Uh, it was done by Dr. Schaffner. Oh, that's how my, where my son had his biopsy done too. Got it yep. right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. We're, we're pals already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So going forward then, after you got the diagnosis, did you feel you had enough support in your hometown to take that documentation to and say, okay, what is this and how do we, what do we do with it? I felt that I had no support. (laughs) Um, It was a little bit crazy. Um, You know, we did have a specialist, um, being in Florida, we had a specialist in Miami and you know, we, our, our geneticist in Miami felt, wow, I didn't really expect it to come back this way, even though I sent you there and you should really see this person. And we saw that person who, um, you know, didn't really provide a whole lot of support, I guess is, is the best way to say it. And uh, my husband and I are from Boston and um, I had already been looking for some genetic counseling and some information for my sister in the Boston area. And mm-hmm. so I had already sent her to Dr. Corson 
And she said to me, you need to see um, him up in Boston. And we got an appointment and hopped on a plane and decided, you know, two hours in traffic to Miami or a three hour plane ride up to Boston, it's the same. So we right. then found, we pretty much did most of our care um, for, you know, the specifics in Boston um, up until he stopped practicing. And then we started seeing Dr. Kendall in Atlanta. Um, yep. And, you know, really, I did find some good, um, I guess, you know, the, um, a good core team, sorry, I'm trying to think of how to yep. phrase it, you know, to help that would, you know, but it was a lot of hit or miss of who would deal with specialists and who would talk to who. And, you know, it was a, a little bit of a crazy time. I think, you know, looking back now, almost 20 years ago, um, information has changed a lot in the last 20 mm -hmm. years. Um, what we found out about all the differences and everything. Um, I was on support groups back then. It was a Yahoo group, which Jordan even probably know that they had Yahoo groups back then, but they had Me Yahoo too. Groups. We were probably on the same group. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so that's how we all yep. communicated. Um, but the one thing I found, and I, I do understand it was prevalent to the time, was I didn't hear a lot of success stories. I didn't hear a lot of, um, honestly, things to look forward to. And so I think in the last five to 10 years, there's been more of that, which I'm right. super grateful for, so. Me too. That's so at what age, <laughs> so now Jordan is almost 20, you said? Yeah, I'm turning 20 in December. And what's your birthday? Uh, December 6, 2000. Oh, my son is December 27, 1999. So very interesting. We had the same exact trajectory. Went to Dr. Schaffner, came back to Minneapolis, and they said, we don't know what this means. Found Dr. Corson, got on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? I was so thankful to find him. Yes. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, until he stopped practicing, and then it was a little bit of a now what, but. Um, so w at what age, Stacy, did you start transitioning more of Jordan's care slash responsibilities to him and let him like take the reins and move forward? I would say, um, and you know, you might have some better insight into this, Jordan also, I think really in high school, we really kind of started doing a lot more of it. Um, again, I think Dr. Corson, um, was always very wonderful about including Jordan in the appointments, mm -hmm. um, even when he was, you know, little, you know, how are you feeling, you know, and wanted to hear things from Jordan, not just from us. Um, okay. And, you know, Jordan, I think is, I've always said a little bit of an old soul anyway, um, and always, you know, a little bit more responsible and, you know, nice that thing. So I think, you know, really in high school, we knew he wanted to go off to a four-year university. Um, his sister is, um, you know, three years ahead of him, but four years school-wise ahead of him. Um, mm -hmm. So we had started the path with her. And so he got very involved in her college searches and her doing that and seeing that. And he was all about that. And we're like, oh, well then you've got to be ready to kind of do a lot of that. Right. All right, Jordan. So let's hear let's hear your side of the story. So mom says around high school, things meant more to you. Um, what do you recall, and what are you thankful for in that transition? 
I definitely think in high school is when it became more of you, this is like your kind of, this should be your responsibility. You should want this responsibility. But I definitely think it's probably the transition started earlier, probably more in middle school, late, even elementary school. It's more of a, you should be part of the discussion when it comes to doctor appointments, even though you may not be the, the sole contributing voice. You're part of the team that's, you, they need to know what's going on in your life and not just yesing them. So that was important to kind of right. learn, which I'm thankful for that kind of, I, I, I think a long transition period helped me. It wasn't just trial by fire, getting thrown in there, going to doctor appointment by myself. Definitely would not have coped with that well. No. So kind of the long period of slowly introducing more responsibility benefited me. And then, like uh, my mom said, I knew because of my sister, I wanted to go to a four-year school like I am right now, that in order to make that goal happen, I had to take on responsibilities. Once I'm here, I have to schedule my own appointments, take care of my own medication, and it was a, it was a good goal to work towards. So which, which diagnosis do you think is the most cumbersome for you, the complex one or your FAOD, secondary? I would say probably the complex one is more of the day-to-day -day struggles, just with the energy-related and overall mm -hmm. feelings in my body, the fatty acid mostly. I don't know the exact biochemical, like the symptoms it gives me, but definitely it's more of just a watching what I eat, making sure my dietary restrictions are in place. If I'm feeling good, maybe introduce a little more fats. If I'm not feeling well, cut those down tremendously. But definitely okay. the, the complex one is more the day-to-day. -day. So with the complex one, you said the word I hear over and over again is the fatigue. And how, how do you manage that fatigue as a, in college? Because college is cutthroat, man. Not only do you have to be on your game for class, but there's a whole learning curve socially. That's, it's like, I mean, you're there to learn everything, not just English and history. You're there to learn life. So tell me how that's gone for you and what are some things that you've discovered about yourself? Well, definitely last year was my freshman year, which is, like you said, it felt like it was 80% social, 20% academics kind of learning wise. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I had to learn my entire, going in high school, I always thought I was, you know, I was different when I needed more sleep. I needed more rest time. Coming to college, all my friends took naps. All my friends were on the borderline exhaustion at all hours. Obviously, I had more dramatic, but if there was times where my friends wanted to do something and I wasn't feeling well, I had to learn how to say no and like, hey, I'm going to stay in tonight so that the next two nights I can go hang out with them. And then ah, good. introducing that topic early on to my like relationships helped me a lot because then they just kind of got to expect it. Hey, Jordan's not mm -hmm. out of his room yet. It's noon. I'll just let him be. Like, it's, he's doing his own thing. He's resting. <laughs> he's hibernating <laughs> exactly and then I was able to start even expanding outside of that and doing undergraduate research and doing my clubs in college and kind of adding more to my play and it's definitely now it's a balancing act before this call I just walked to my apartment at like 359 from my lab and wow I had a class today at 1040 been up since that even though it's not that early it's a little bit early but <laughs> yeah well, that's a long day for you, for you it's a for long me, day <laughs> Yeah. But it's definitely knowing the night before. If I hey, hey, if I have a class tomorrow morning, let me go to bed a little bit earlier. My roommates are mm -hmm. all pretty good about everyone. Everyone in college, I feel like, is focused on themselves, which is kind of a nice thing. Mm -hmm. Everyone, like, as long, everyone's making sure themselves are taken care of, which is I've spent most of my life doing. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a natural implementation. 
And I think college students respect the opportunity to sleep. <laughs> you know, grab it, grab it when you can. So I think that's that's a good atmosphere. What are you studying? I'm a biology major. Oh, imagine that, a biology mm -hmm. major. Excellent. Are you going to do microbiology, general biology? Um, right now, just bio. I'm kind of more looking into the genetics aspect. Okay. I'm actually working with Dr. Stackpole at University of Florida. Oh, excellent. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the lab I'm researching. I'm doing undergraduate research with. Wow. And you're a sophomore or, or a junior? Um, this is my sophomore year. A sophomore and you're already doing undergrad research? Yeah, I was able for to you. Uh, start with him my first semester of my, fall, my freshman year because of prior connections I had with, uh, I met him before. Sure. So how has COVID uh, impacted your college life and your mito life? Definitely staying away from everyone. Mm -hmm. I just not, you know take every precaution you can when I was home from March to August I think we probably left the house double digit times maybe wow. we were pretty locked in now that I'm up here slowly starting to integrate back but still mask always on everything precautions it's not mm -hmm. worth any of the risk if I can mitigate it myself then why not right right do you know anyone who has had COVID um, not in my direct circle. It's been more of like my circle circles have got it. Like I know people who know people, but no one okay. in my close group, my, my close group is pretty restricted. Yeah, that's good. Um, so we hear from a lot of patients and mom, you can pop in on this one too. If you, if any of this resonates with you that with COVID and kids with um, all people with mito, it seems like immunology is just right hand in hand and kids just get something or patients get some like a bug and it just takes them down so when you heard about how COVID was going and the, the complications of it what was your reaction to um how are we gonna how are we gonna keep this away from me how am I gonna stay safe um I know for us, I mean, in Minnesota, we went on total lockdown. And with my son, he has a, a really poor immune system. So for us being on lockdown during cold and flu season, that was pretty much normal anyway. But I mean, this was like ultra lockdown, nobody in, nobody out, um, groceries being delivered, uh, <laughs> just all, is that sounding familiar to you guys too? Wiping down the bag, wiping down delivered, spraying them with Lysol, letting them sit in the garage for a little bit before you go touch okay. them, and gloves, and <laughs> so you guys yeah. just took every precaution stated and yeah. said, "Yeah, we're just going to pile them all on." Our hope was honestly, like I didn't know if we could prevent him from getting it. My hope was to hold off a little bit. I think, as much as we don't know a lot about it now, I think we knew even less six months ago. And Excellent, so, yes. you know, I just really wanted to try to give him the best chance possible to maybe not get it. And at least especially with all the spikes in Florida. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if we're going to, you know, get sick, but you know, we, we have everything set up, you know, we've had discussions before he went to school, since he's been at school, um, you know, what happens if, and what the next step. And, you know, I know that there's a whole lot of, um, you know, thought that, you know, college students, um, I don't know if I should say this, shouldn't come home if they're sick, but that right. is not our plan because I, I can't, right. you know, take a chance that he can't manage it or his roommates can't manage it or that, 
the doctor in that setting can't manage it or whatever happens. And so we've got our own plan of what to do if it happens. And we've got it all set up here at the house, like just in case. And the hope is we don't need it, but you know, we've got to be prepared. Well, it's good that you're prepared, right? It's always good to have your plan in place. Right, right. Excellent. So I'm not as well versed on complex one, but what seem to be some of the common characteristics of people who have complex one? Do you notice any similarities when you speak with other patients or do any research? Do you go, oh, yep, that's Jordan. Yep, that's Jordan. Yep. I, you know, the one thing that I find about mitochondrial disease is it's sort of that umbrella catch. You know, Mm -hmm. it really seems to affect so many differently. Mm -hmm. So yes, there are some similarities. You hear about the fatigue. You hear about when he gets sick, he gets sicker than, you know, normal. And it takes longer for his body to recover. And, you know, he did have a feeding tube until he was 10. And, you know, his, his, um, you know, that area that gut system seems to be where he's the most challenged when he's, you know, struggling with even fatigue, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. and so I hear a lot of those similarities, but I do find it is so different in everybody. And um, I think, you know, that's even something that has changed a lot. I think being a little bit more open, even as parents and as people who talk about it now, I think 20 years ago, that was mm-hmm. more of a, you're looking for what matched and what, you know, who could relate to you. And I think it's right. just different. Jordan has a very close friend that um, we met through some doctors actually here in Boston, but we both, I mean, here in Florida, but we both went to the same doctors in Boston's and we've traveled and um, they no longer live in the area, but we're still, you know, in touch with the family and talk to them. And, you know, he had uh, one complex one and, and some different complexes and still they were so different you know, just different. And I even think just knowing from the time Jordan was three weeks old, put him on a different path just in how we dealt with him. Yes. You know, I think we never did certain things because Mm -hmm. we've known since three weeks old, you know, this was how it was. So it wasn't like we were not doing things. It became a way of life. Just how we are. Right. Wow. Wow. So, Jordan, what, what do you wish people knew about mitochondrial disease? And, and I'll say, for me, I just wish it was, more, it was legitimized. I wish more people knew about it and that it wasn't looked at as a made-up illness. Yeah, I can definitely second that one. That's something that I think keeps a lot of us up at night thinking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of hard if you have a daily struggle or something and then at the end of the day be told, it's your kind of, it's like you said, unlegitimate. It's kind of a struggle that could potentially be in your own head. It's hard mm-hmm. to hear on some bad days. You just like, that's the last thing you want to hear. Like you said, it right. would be great if it got more kind of legitimization from the some other medical communities. And also just, um, like I said before, like how I was able to get my kind of friend group to just accept the way I operate. You know, if you... Mm-hmm. I feel like if that's one thing I've noticed because I've been able to kind of embrace it head on as my lifestyle, like my, the way I live is kind of just based, built around my diagnosis. Not, it's not me, but it's, I do my best to help myself that it became accepted in my friend group, my community that like, it's not just 
hey, he ha- like has this. It's just, oh, that's Jordan, just the way Jordan does things. Like, right. it's just, it's not looked at as, like, a challenge. It's more of just, oh, let him be. Like, let him do, <laughs> let him do what's best for him. That's just Jordan. It should just be the way everyone is approached. Everyone should be allowed to do what's best for themselves. You are 100% right. That is exactly what it should be, is that everybody should just get to do the race at their own pace. Create some, wow. Some, just create your own path. Yep. So in the last few weeks now since you've been back to school and you're transitioning away from the nest again, and we all know when we go back to the <laughs> nest, things get a little comfy cozy. What's been the hardest transition for you? Other than like dishes and cleaning up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely Cooking? kind of going back, I guess, somewhat to the real life responsibilities before I was taking all my classes were pre-established online classes over the summer. I was going to take on summer classes. And now my classes are at set times that I have to be in either Zoom call. Like, even though oh. the Zoom call is my own room, it's times I need to be blocked off. You know, okay. it's less at your own pace. Yep. But it's still more flexible than it was my freshman year, which I mean, right. like, which for most people, they are very against online learning. For me, I've got very used to it, and I kind of, it's kind of a nice little break for me. But yeah. just kind of scheduling off my time. It's not all free time. That I, over the summer, I completely caught up on sleep. I probably nice. slept 12 hours a day and rested another three or four. Wow. And then now it's more of, okay, I wake up at 9, and I'm up until I'm done with my work. <laughs> Okay. And much more just going back to the blocked off time, gotta be productive. And even while most people probably like, sometimes I, I, at the end of the day, I'm like, why am I so tired? I haven't left my apartment all day. It's because I was doing schoolwork all day, all day, and it's still mentally draining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people does. forget that energy isn't just uh, phonetic movement, it's your, mm-hmm. how your whole body needs energy. So, working schoolwork is very taxing. It is, and it's just moderating that. Sometimes you need to take a break. Sometimes you need to stop for a little bit, turn the lights off, put the fan on. Mm-hmm. And definitely, again, just trying to mitigate my own, I guess, symptoms or ill effects and yep. trying to create the best situation for myself. Good for you. Mom, what's been the trickiest for you, pushing him back out of the nest in these contentious times? That has to be hard. Nothing. She held the door, right? So get up, get going, son. No, I, you know, again, I think, you know, we have a lot of confidence in Jordan that, you know, he's a college student and wants to live his life. But, you know, ultimately you know, this affects him and he knows it. So we were pretty comfortable with him going back and trying to keep his you know, his, his circle small, but again, you know, as a, as a parent of a child with anything, you right. control a lot of the moves up until a certain point. And so I think it was, you know, re- releasing that control again. I think we had worked through yeah. a freshman year and, you know, trying to release a little bit again of, you know, he's got this and, you know, we'll just deal with whatever comes, but he's got to be in control of his life and his destiny a little bit. Wow, good for you. You guys are very inspiring to me. As I said earlier, my son is in the same age group, in the same diagnosis path, except we were he was five when we got the muscle biopsy back. So um, not quite three weeks, 
So we had a, we had five years of of bad behavior, shall I say? I mean, we were doing everything possible to get him muscle tone, according to everybody in our medical community. Do this physical therapy, do that, you know, and then come to find out, I panicked. I was like, oh my gosh, what if we used up an infinite amount of energy that he has? Now what are we going to do? So, um, it's it is no, hard. It's it's, ter- it's hard. It's, it's yeah. It's you know, hard I to find that balance. We weren't pushing hard enough and we should push more. And, you know, it's, do you push more? Do you not put it, you know, and that's the thing I think we've learned is, you know, that everyone is different and that, you know, mm-hmm. this could be because of knowing early. It could be because of just, this was his path and the way it was going to be, you know, yep. but, you know, Jordan, I don't know if he told you did virtual school since fifth grade. So no. doing the classes wow. online, but that was a sacrifice you know, in some ways for him, in some ways it was a blessing because school was able to be done according to his schedule when he wanted mm-hmm. to, and he was able to have extracurricular based on, you know, how he felt later. Um, right. But, you know, that was, you know, a huge difference for him, you know, mm-hmm. so going off to college, that's one of the reasons why it was so important was because he felt he'd been doing virtual, you know, right. to get to this point. And even that, right. similar to the doctor's appointments, it was a slow transition. So I did virtual school for entirety of middle school. And then halfway through my high school, my sophomore year, I started taking some college classes. So slowly, one or two, going there wow. to back from the classes. And then my senior year, I, sp- I, did, I spent my senior year out of college. And then kind of that was the test. I would go to the college, do all my work, spend my day there. But still, at the end of the day, in my weekends, come home, be always home, resting. Okay. And kind of college yep. was that. Okay, now you're seven days a week, twenty four seven, on your on your own. I really like yeah. how you eased into that, Jordan. <laughs> I don't know if that was intended or it just turned out to be a darn good plan. But wow, that that sounds genius. <laughs> genius planning there, guys. That sounds amazing. The best way to do it, really, instead of just hopping into the deep end of the pool it's well uh, i appreciate you guys taking time today to tell us your story it's definitely one of hope um like you said stacy we're always trying to find somebody who's similar to us and it's just for me it's just nice to know there's another tribe of moms out there that know what it's like to throw your hands up in the air literally and go (laughs) i don't know you know and just hope for the best literally absolutely so absolutely you know and um, I think, uh, Jordan, your story is, I just, I, I've heard about you through the grapevine of people in the mito world. So I'm really excited that I finally got to hear it from you and see you. And um, I am going to keep watching to see you in the biology lab, in the biology world someday, coming up with something that's going to make a difference here. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. So Have much a, for your time. Have a Thank nice you. Day. You bet. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.